Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 87. Today we are reviewing the autobiography of Zeus, Against All Odds, The Way to Victory. And we'll be doing a run-through of DreamHack Anaheim, day one. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? All right, I think we should start with the book review. Uh, this is going to be an evergreen episode. I think we'll be coming back to it in the future. So let's go with the book review first and then the DreamHack Anaheim day one run through uh, second. Some interesting things have actually happened in DreamHack Anaheim. So I would stick around for that. But first, let's get on to, against all odds, the way to victory. This is a an autobiography published by Zeus. You know him as the IGL of Navi. He was kicked from Navi. Then he won a major with Gambit and came back to Navi. Uh, what I'm going to do is go over it generally, give you know a bit of a rundown of some things that I learned, read a few passages, a few select uh, slices, and then give it a score out of five. This is the first book review I've done on this podcast. Uh, there was another book that I probably should have reviewed uh, by Zonic. I don't believe it was translated into English. So perhaps when that finally gets its English trano, then we'll uh, flop it out on the old pod. Now, I actually bought, against all odds, The Way to Victory um, for for $0. For some reason, when I went to Amazon, I could select it for free on my Kindle. I don't have Kindle Unlimited, but if you have a Kindle, um, you might want to take advantage of what seems to be some sort of clerical error and get yourself a free copy of Against All Odds, The, <laughs> the Way to Victory. Uh, now, before we get into the brutality of this uh, review, it should be it should be noted that writing a book is an achievement, and Zeus deserves a lot of credit and kudos for doing so. I have uh, done it myself in the past, and it ages you. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, and sh- as an achievement, really, should not be taken lightly. So kudos to him. And also, overall, I enjoyed this book a far uh, greater amount than I assumed I was going to. Uh, it's very readable. It's very approachable. You'll get into it. If you're a CSGO fan, you're going to get stuck in. The title of this book really sets the tone for the uh, hyperbole um, and ridiculousness um, in parts of this tome, um, but also kind of the charming aspect of this uh, this journey depicted so fervently uh, by who we can only assume is Danilo himself uh, going through some sort of garbled AI translating uh, bot, possibly in the form of um, one of his um, hangers-on. Now, the first thing that really that struck me about this was uh, the title, obviously, but the the obvious um, kind of face-slapping nature of the claim that his victory, in this case, which really refers to his victory in the major, most 
importantly, but also, I guess, a generally successful CSGO career. Uh, and that th- that victory was achieved in spite of um, every single odd being against him or every situation, um, him having the odds against him, which um, I have to protest. Um, I'm not exactly sure what odds uh, he's referring to. At no time, really, does the reader ever get a sense that Zeus was ever up against the greatest odds, apart from, perhaps, the semi-final against Astralis in PGL Krakow, in which case the title actually makes perfect sense. Um, And against all odds... Uh, the way to victory certainly has its climax in that particular game, actually. I found that a little bit more um, interesting even than the game against uh, Immortals, and I'll get to that in a moment, but let's first start uh, a bit generally. This is an autobiography, as I said, with a major focus on his CS career, uh, but also starts with a bit of a history of his childhood and um, goes through the usual uh, autobiographical... uh, sins against uh, readership uh, attention Um, but once his sort of tale the tale of his rise in CS is complete he does end the book with a section of advice for players Uh, each chapter of this book ends with uh, or starts I should say with a quote and the whole book itself opens with a Churchill quote so he does put himself in uh, very esteemed company Um, off the bat. Now, uh, I'm not sure how these these quotes relate to all the chapters specifically. Um, I guess they're just meant to sort of be generally inspirational. I think that that was a major reason, it seems, why Zeus has written this book, to inspire others if you're looking for inspiration, especially if you're a Counter-Strike player. I think you could do worse. (laughs) Um, Probably not in the realm of books about Counter-Strike players' lives, because I don't think there are any. Um, in which case you could not do worse, um, but you could also not really do better. <laughs> um, at the intro, Danilo does say, um, and I quote, I was asked to tell the story of my life so many times that I decided to bite the bullet and write this book. Um, end quote. I found this funny, but maybe it's true, because what do I know? It's possible that um, there is a, a throng of... Um, gasping sycophants surrounding Danilo, desperate to understand the ins and outs of his uh, career. Um, No one's ever asked me to tell my life story before, so I wouldn't recognize it if it happened, Um, except one time I was on a Tinder date and she was a bit too keen. It should be said, before I really get into the thickets of this uh, scroll that the grammar and punctuation are uniformly atrocious, and even the translations of other player interviews who presumably were speaking in better English than the majority of the book uh, occurs in, um, they're, they're just, as, just as bad. He has quite a few interviews in here, people like Zonic, Cold Zero, Shocks, and sometimes what they say barely makes any sense, which begs the question why he bothered to include them at all. Look, it's not actually that bad. Uh, in that after a while you sort of get a sense of his level um, of English and what it <clears throat> what, what level it might actually be at there's been some um, some salacious assertions that this book 
was not actually written by him and was ghostwritten, I don't know if a ghostwriter could possibly uh, ever get any work if this was on their CV ever again. I, it really sounds a bit more like he's just sat in a room and um, dictated something to um, someone who's got uh, a level of English that's probably um, around... Uh, yeah. Well, it's hard to tell because it's, it's garbled in a way that I guess it actually kind of becomes quite charming in some points it's it's pretty slapdash actually at, at times the book kind of gives you gives you gives you the impression that no one really did a proper proofread of it obviously they didn't have anyone who actually speaks english as a first language to a proofread of it but not doesn't seem like they even checked it themselves because there are times for instance when he says things like in four months, the lineup of the Luminosity team will join the SK Gaming Organization, where they are still playing. So I think he's written or dictated parts of this book uh, a couple of years ago, and not bothered to go back and check the fact that they were they still made sense, and simply just um, thrown it all together in a text document and uh, hit upload to create space. Now, the childhood stuff, as I mentioned, of this book is fairly routine at all times, actually. The most interesting part of it is that there's a, there's a serious uh, theme of fetish, fetishization of commodities, food, cars, service and clothes. He describes in great detail what he was um, <clears throat> presented with at various hotels and trips and holidays uh, during his career, which I guess feels a little bit like the fallout from being um, from the Ukraine, which, as we know, was part of the Soviet Union up until 1991 uh, and experienced a dearth of commodities during that time. Now, the history of Zeus's CS career is actually quite interesting, uh, especially for someone like me who's not that knowledgeable about everything that went on in 1.6. And I actually learned a little bit more about uh, Navi than I realized I was going to. Not that Zeus is really here to give you a history lesson about everything. He's uh, he's basically just taking you through the development and victories of his own teams. You don't really get a sense of um, what's going on. And he very rarely takes the time to describe any other teams uh, and what they might be going through. It should be mentioned that uh, he employs, or his uh, ghostwriter, or his... Um, Chained Monkey employs what we know as a very typical autobiographical structure in which he starts with the moment of a crisis uh, and flashes back to the beginning, leading back to that crisis, (coughs) and then revealing to the reader what happened next. This moment of crisis is when he was kicked from Navi, and he wastes no time at all in um, throwing Seized under the bus. In fact, he, he shits on Seized uh, from such a great height that it's almost as if when you um, it's almost like when you squash a cockroach and then you wrap it in some tissue and you squeeze it again to make sure that its little shell breaks. <clears throat> That's kind of similar to what he does to seized in the opening chapters of this book. Uh, the final section of this book where he gives uh, tips for players, 
um, and specifically captains, is fairly vague and general. It's inarguable and it's stuffed with a lot of truisms. But I would say that it, on the whole, it's fairly useless. Um, and I wouldn't recommend this as any sort of manual, um, really, to um, anybody. It's uh, <laughs> look. It's all in. Um, it's all common sense, really. That's what it is. It's common sense. There's no great insights. It's just purely common sense. Let's move on to some specifics about this book. If I'm sounding smarmy, I don't mean to be. I enjoyed this read a whole lot more than I thought I was going to. I really did. I looked forward to getting back to it in the evenings, but it's um, it's fun to have a bit of uh, a bit of fun with it. Let's 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 just talk about some things I learned. I didn't realize that Zeus was actually part owner of Navi with Starix. That's interesting. Another thing I learned is that Zeus is our Lord God and Savior. I wasn't aware of that. Um, evidence to support that includes, and I quote. Markalov had a lot of fans around the world. I was happy for him because he played really very, very, very cool. Yes, I worked with him a lot. I trained him as a sniper, showed the best positions. I liked teaching him because I saw a lot of potential in him. It was nice to see that people appreciated his work, his game, and to know that I helped him with this. But even I didn't expect him to grow professionally to such a high level. He was the greatest player of the time. One thing I learned about Zeus that I was not aware, he's actually the older brother in his family, which makes him, I think, possibly, and I'm just going to check the statistics right now. Uh, yes, it makes him the only older brother in all of CSGO currently, the rest of the pros being made up entirely of younger brothers. Uh, Zeus also hates cockroaches. So that was an apt analogy I pulled out earlier. Uh, Zeus was a rich kid at least for some period of time. He doesn't actually extrapolate on what happened to his family's fortunes. He suggests that they did at some point drop off. But he was that kid whose parents were so wealthy, the kids got around in clothes, or for instance him and his brother, that other adults couldn't afford. So against all odds, my ass. Uh, I didn't realize as well that Kane was the captain of his first proper team. Um, Edward features heavily in this story, uh, or Vanya as he calls him. Edward was the star of his first team back in uh, 2003, I think it is, he starts. I, mean, I can't even remember now. There's so many dates in this book. Some of the cool stuff is about him going around trying to um, get sponsors for his first few teams. Back in the Wild West days of uh, CS 1.6. I did mention some of it sounds a bit slapdash, and there's some bits of translation that result in some very weird things, uh, like when he describes the climate of Singapore as specific, very hot, and dry. <laughs> if you've ever been to Singapore, you would know that it's quite possibly the most humid place um, on Earth. Another interesting sentence uh, that I thought, or um, well, I enjoyed the translation of, was, everyone was soaked with the importance of the situation when the VP Captain NBN visited him. I like the idea of people being soaked with the importance of situations. I can't remember the last time I was soaked with the importance of a situation, but I'm looking forward to the next time. Uh, he does have another sentence that actually has triggered a lot of ideas and mirth in my friends group, um, where he mentions washing for the first time. 
because he was living in a gaming house and looking after himself. He says, washing for the first time and ruining his clothes. As a result of this, his T-shirts became impossible to wear. I uh, That's the end of the quote. I am going to make T-shirts a thing. I actually looked up T-shirts online to see whether it was uh, a business opportunity I could turn into a money-making scheme. And it appears it actually does refer in Urban Dictionary to when you put your legs through the arms of your T-shirt t-shirt and wear them as pants i think that actually could become a major trend uh if we started making t-shirts with the arms actually facing down with wider arms obviously so your legs fit in them but you've got a hole in the crotch just for um aeration i think um that's the the next summer trend of 2021 I'm, I'm, I'm digressing here. He really helpfully describes terms in the book, uh, terms like comeback, uh, further confusing who this book is actually for. He says, this is called comeback in the game, to come back, to get back into the game, to start winning a series uh, after a series of lost round. This is player's slang. So it's very nice that he uh, elucidates certain uh, confusing terms such as comeback. Uh, he did go to a tournament as well. And this is the last thing that I learned from this book. There was plenty more, but this is just a selection of the most uh, pleasing of them. He went to a tournament back in the early 2000s, after which they invited the famous DJ Bob Sinclair. He played, everyone was having fun. Now, I'm just going to end with some uh, passages here. There's actually a lot. I've written a huge review of this book, and we're not going to go on too long because at that point it just becomes ridiculous. Uh, But here are some interesting passages I think are worth mentioning. And hopefully Zeus won't feel too bad about me reading them out because they should stimulate you into buying the book or picking it up for free uh, via what seems to be a Kindle bug. Open quote. After a while, I tried to pick up a local girl who snapped her eyes in my direction. Uh, I guess this is this was after a a tournament um, from memory. I think they were having a celebration after a tournament. He says, I was drunk and she seemed very beautiful. It was good that Zero Gravity, Zero Gravity was their manager, as a responsible person, drank the least of all. He came up to me and said, look who you are trying to start a conversation with. This is a trans exclamation mark was really a transvestite, and I did not plan such an acquaintance. We laughed and moved away from the young lady. Uh, End quote. Here's another passage I thought particularly apt. Um, It was a deserted hotel lobby, six in the morning. A guy and a girl stayed at the reception desk, and in the middle of the hall, drunk Markaloff was taking off his shoes. First he got one foot from one shoe, then he freed his second foot. Then he unzipped his fly and began to pee. I mean, it's actually, it's quite an entertaining book. Um, This one is funny. And this one actually uh, illustrates what I was talking about uh, vis-a-vis commodity fetishization. He says, we found a comfortable cafe not far from our hotel and we went there for dinners. The ocean was very near, which meant a lot of fish. We ate seafood and very tasty sushi there. Everything was fresh, unusual and tasty. All our team enjoyed the relaxation. It was a great time. He does reach uh, certain majestic heights of banality uh, in this book. And at, and at some point, it sort of washes over you, um, much like the surf of Malibu, which he was describing, actually, in that passage. Here's another uh, passage I thought was, was lovely. Uh, 
At this championship, a situation occurred in our team that was insignificant at first sight, but it had serious consequences. In the future, it affected our relationships in the team. We flew to Germany with Eugen as manager and Starex as coach. Eugen was a very calm, well-balanced person and athlete. He had six black karate belts, uh, and our new player, Flamey, spoke rudely with this man. Eugen answered him harshly, and I, feeling responsible for the boy, who already was kicked by his life, neatly defended Flamey. I said to Eugen, Zeka, you are older and he is young. Why are you treating him so hard? This was my mistake, because the boy was spoiled and ill-mannered. After his rudeness to the older person went without consequences, he started being impertinent more and more often with all others, including me. Now I think that Eugen did the right thing. Roughness should be stopped at the root from the very beginning. If this were not done, then after a while, the feeling of impunity would lead the tyke to situations that could be very unpleasant for him and inconvenient for others. I think this passage deserves um, gilding of some sort in some Hall of Fame, in some way, purely for the fact that it refers to Flamey uh, shortly after joining, joining Navi as a tyke. He, in fact, goes on to describe almost hitting uh, Flamey at a certain point. Flamey, the way he describes him, uh, fronted up to the team with virtually no sense of socialization whatsoever. Um, so that's quite an interesting insight. There is a certain point as well where he questions Guardian's hand injury. Uh, for all those who might remember, Guardian had some issues with his hand, his wrist, I should say, uh, kind of around 2016, 20, 20, I think it was 2016, um, just before they won ESL 1 New York. He associates this with Guardian actually wanting to spend time with his girlfriend, which is a very scandalous uh, not quite a flat-out accusation, but um, somewhat shocking to uh, someone like me, a uh, Ladislav uh, fanboy. He actually gives us a little bit more insight into Kane. I don't know if you recall, but when he was kicked from, uh, when Kane was kicked out of Gambit, and Zeus said, "Well, if Kane's going, I'm going," there was an assertion that Kane was sort of a bit of a useless dead weight that uh, Zeus was dragging around with him for some sense of loyalty uh, that went back a decade. I actually think there was a sense of loyalty in that movement, and he's pretty clear that he tied his fortunes to Kane. But Kane's history in the game is made a lot clearer through this book, and I can see where he might have actually brought stuff to that team and their major victory that I was not aware of. Um, there's an interview with Mo that I thought was interesting. Uh, he says, What can you say about Dania? During all the time we played together, I understood that Dania was a great person and a good leader. And he was accompanied by fortune. He had a special feeling of the game. I recollect how he told us, Let's go to B. Let's go to A. And we went, and by some miracle, we took those rounds, which were very important. I still cannot understand how it happened. He still cannot understand how it happened. Now this, we are getting to the most important part of the book and quite possibly the most jaw-dropping moment of the book. When Zeus finally reaches the part where he's describing his major winning run with Gambit, he goes into detail about his 
about the uh, best of three against Australis. And look, if you're not aware exactly of how the PGL Major Krakow went down, the major events that you should be aware of are the fact that SK and Australis faced off against each other in the semi-final. They were the two top teams at the time. Australis heavily, heavily anti-strated SK. And as far as I, I'm concerned, put too much of their effort, uh, concentrated too much of their effort anti-stratting SK, managed to beat them, but then came up against Gambit in the next final. <clears throat> Gambit actually only really just managed to beat them and then went on to face a team who wasn't even in the top 10, like them, uh, Immortals, in the grand final. But when, Gam- when uh, Zeus gets to describing the actual grand final, this is how he puts it. The final was against a Brazilian team. I think that at the time, they were called Luminosity. They trained very hard and were well prepared. They were a strong team. So strong, I guess, that he cannot remember their name. (laughs) I mean, that is ridiculous. I don't know how many drugs he did or how much uh, vodka he quaffed following this victory but the fact that he cannot remember the name of the team who he beat in the grand final to win the major the peak of his career uh strikes one as slightly suspicious there's a really great quote from um zonic where he mentions the importance of family and friends he says although we try to give players as much free time as possible and i'm sure that none of the none of the top teams train as little as ours of course, we train a lot, but I know for sure that others devote much more time to it. Which is interesting. A little insight about Astralis. The book more or less ends on a very inspiring note. Uh, as I said, I think his reason for writing this book was to inspire. And this is kind of how he ends it. Finally, I want to give some global advice and parting words to those who read this book. Guys, be kind and sociable. There are too many evil people in our world, people with foolish tenets and a mess in their head, people who destroy things instead of creating. What a legend. Now, I I, I really am sincere when I say that I enjoyed this book, and if you're a CS geek, you actually, you'll have fun with it. Um, Yes, of course, there are moments of of pure self-aggrandizement, but, uh, you know, he doesn't shy away from occasionally <laughs> talking about things that he did that were mistakes, although he generally paints them as sort of uh, the, 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 the actings out of a scallywag. But you do get a bit more of a sense of the, co- the, the trajectory of a history uh, of someone who's really started at the beginning, hit the peak of where you know CSGO kind of went to, although I think Astralis has gone much further than he ever did, but... <clears throat> Uh, either way, it's quite a nice read if you're a geek, and I suggest checking it out. I am giving it five stars out of five because it does exactly what it says it's going to do on the cover, an autobiography of Zeus and a de- description of him uh, and his life in Counter-Strike. It does that very well, and I've never read a better autobiography of Zeus or, for that matter, any other IGL of Na'Vi. In that sense, it towers above uh, the rest of the field and really sets the bar for current CSGO, IGL, retired uh, literature. (laughs) Mm. So I highly recommend it. 
get your get your eyeballs onto it. DreamHack Anaheim has had its first day and it's been pretty juicy. DreamHack Anaheim is happening right now in Anaheim. Um, people are playing for $50,000. Cold hard crash. What's cool about this is that we're seeing the the new Mirage. There's been some changes. Uh, there's, new, there's a bench in mid. There's some other bits and bobs on B-site. Uh, we're seeing new skyboxes on dust. You can now throw uh, grenades over into the B-site and things in bits and bobs like that uh we've seen the land debut of gen g which has been very exciting actually they started off by beating ants gen g if you've been living under several rocks it's daps kusta automatic bentet and daps kusta bentet automatic and som how could i forget som he went crazy this first day. These guys, let's just not get ahead of ourselves. These guys beat Ents on the first day. They were down, I think, 13 to 5 or something. They had a massive 10-round uh, comeback. Um, and the team themselves had a very even uh, kill spread, uh, which suggests some sick teamwork going on. I didn't manage to catch this game, actually, but it suggests the team with a very good mentality or perhaps Ents just with a really bad one. We suggested uh, certain things in that direction last episode. We'll get back to Genji in a moment. Uh, we did see the debut of North on LAN with MSL. And one thing as well that I didn't mention last time, their coach is Jumpy. Jumpy, of course, we know from Fnatic. Uh, he was there from 2016 to 2019. He's a Swede working with Five Dan, so it's not ideal. I actually don't really know how important he was for Fnatic's biggest results but perhaps he's going to provide the difference to bring this team some victories. Uh, so they started off by beating Forza. That was pretty convincing, actually. It was on Nuke. MSL mentioned in the uh, post-match interview that he was focused on countering Exe power, uh, which is not a bad strat on Nuke, focusing on one particular player, because when you know where they're playing, um, it's quite easy to isolate them on Nuke, or easier than other maps. Um, players are so far from each other sometimes. We saw Astralis do this to Simple on Nuke at the face at Major. Um, in a way that basically crippled the entire team. Now, there were some very interesting T-sides called by Jerry, uh, but it wasn't really enough for Forza. One of them was everybody going down secret, smoking off the stairs, and then going up vent, or at least four players going up vent, and one player coming through hunt. I'm not sure it's a Forza original, but it was very fun to see. Uh... I did mention last time, last pod, that Stockholm Masters was in 2017, and that was their last big victory. I spoke wrongly, incorrectly. Stockholm Masters was 2018, but it feels so long ago, doesn't it? It's weird. The older you get, the more time sort of breaks down and stops feeling linear. Like when you're young, it's firm and it's very linear and it's like the years are stacked up behind you in a sort of a line of Lego blocks. But as you get older, it just sort of turns into like a laxa soup and it's sort of like and you're trying to fish around for a memory. Maybe you can put the chopsticks on something solid and pull out something, but you're not actually sure where it comes in the timeline. Um, not only did I get the date wrong of DreamHack Summer, but I also undersold North a little bit. They actually won DreamHack Open Valencia. I'd forgotten about that one. 
and Dreamhack Open 2 is that year. <clears throat> None of these are actually tier 1 tournaments, but still, pretty good. Anyway, uh, so these guys had a nice debut, but then were basically mopped by Furia. They beat them on overpass 16-3. MSL ended the entire game with three kills. Uh, Furia, we mentioned them last week because Complexity were playing a little bit like them at Blast. Furia crushed Endpoint as well in the opening game. Endpoint were, of course, the team with the three UK players. Uh, they lost 16-6, to so they got bodied as well. Now, one very interesting statistic that Sean Guerras pointed out on the desk here, and if you'd seen my Twitter account, you saw that I tweeted it, but Caserato and Henny have actually some of the lowest deaths per round um, out of every any single CSGO player. Uh, Caserato is number four of the lowest deaths, and Henny is number two of the lowest deaths out of any CSGO player. Isn't that crazy? Number one is, of course, Jame. But that's a very surprising stat when we think about what Furia is mostly known for, which is a very aggressive uh, playing style. Uh, so that's cool. It is kind of about time that Furia came back. They, were, they, they came out with such a bang last year. And last year, was it 2018? <laughs> See, the bloody laxa soup. It's too murky. Um, anyway, it's it's kind of about time that they really got their shit together and came back on the scene. Surely their confidence is um, growing again at some in some ways. Uh, what I really like to see uh, is um, a matchup between them and Complexity. And then we could really get some exciting CS. I reckon it's possible we'll get that matchup here, but it's not uh, definite. Now, speaking of the Juggernauts themselves, they faced MIBR. And MIBR looked atrocious on their T-sites, just uncoordinated, uninspired, and kind of confusing as a viewer because occasionally there'd be a good shot here and there, but then immediately a very sloppy misplay. Uh, they looked a lot better on the CT side, which suggests that this is a team stagnating in terms of innovation. Uh, it could be that they're sort of truly putting in the hours as fallen so strenuously, 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 tried to suggest to Semler. Uh, but putting in practice hours isn't the same as coming up with new ideas. We do know that Cold Zero... You know what we know? You know how we know this as well? We know this from an interview that I did with him back in 2017, quoting myself here as a source. We do know that Cold Zero is obsessed to a fanatical degree with finding new things to do and devoting a very good portion of his practice time to innovation. It could be that that uh, is what is missing in this squad right now. Uh, because if you've got a, a good CT side and a bad T side, it sounds like you're just interested in defending and not uh, attacking. These guys also really don't have that same octopus feeling we used to get when Cold, Fallen, and Taco were sort of spinning across the map in a synergized series of tentacles. I don't know what they can do right now. I've thrown my hands up in the air about them several times in the past, and there's no need to do it again. Complexity also then uh, played Genji, and Genji came out the victors. They beat them 16-13 on Inferno. Som, the guy whose name I forgot, 
<laughs> he went huge. And even Kuster was having a good game. I think Som dropped a 30-bomb. Daps was also reading the rotations very well. Uh, these guys looked far more polished and serious than complexity. Uh, we did get a bit of insight about complexity, actually, at Blast, which I was not aware of simply watching the broadcast. And the insight came from none other than Duncan Thorin Shields. He mentioned it on his podcast. Uh, it was regarding their comms. He said that Blame F was just calling basically puggy strats, uh, which essentially means sort of things like just you flash over long and we'll push in. Basically, opportune tactics based on one move as opposed to a coordinated attack you know that's been practiced and rehearsed uh this is very interesting to know because they've had a lot of time to practice and if that's the state they're in after all this time to practice then it's a bit of a shame it is worth pointing out as well how different uh how there isn't really a difference between what thorin said about their comms and some of the other teams uh, as well including ents um and the starlatter admin who not long ago was fired for telling us that Navi were fighting amongst themselves um, during their comms. I guess there's a different role expectation of both of them, but I still think it's the same thing and just goes to show how weird this community kind of actually functions. Um, Either way, I appreciate the insight and I think Anaheim's looking like a juicy comp, especially uh, Gen G. It's really cool that they can kind of come out and actually have some success. And if they play complexity again and beat them again, uh, then all power adapts. It's very nice to see automatic in a winning team, at least in a small way as well. And I think at this stage, they probably should expect to go on and win the whole tournament. Finally, just some minor news. Um, minor, but major in my heart. Exvertus Bro have disbanded. They uh, have called it quits for good. There are, of course, three players. PHR, Veggie, one other guy I always forget. Uh, Snacks and Bialy. These guys missed a few qualifiers, including... Um, I think it was... They, so they bombed out of the minor qualifiers, and then they miss, missed at least one Flashpoint qualifier because Snacks uh, fell asleep or couldn't wake up in time. He said that he was on some sort of medication. Um, So that kind of sucks. I did actually reach out to Bialy, um, and I managed to get through to the man himself, uh, which was exciting, Um, but the result was unsatisfactory. He said, I'm not doing interviews anymore and I hope you understand I don't actually understand I don't know why you wouldn't do interviews uh, all I want to do is sing your praises and talk about your childhood and <laughs> um, just get into all the myths the legends the truth um, and make you look uh, as good as possible but there you go it's his prerogative for all us Virtus Pro fans the dream is over once again how many times can we be kicked into the gutter it just keeps on happening doesn't it um what's kind of interesting about this is that taz and neo uh have reported they are restarting their relationship 
and they are going to form a new sort of team. It's not clear whether they're going to get some young hot shots and sort of do a Ninjas in Pajamas circa 2018-2019, uh, or they're going to go full Dignitas and get the band back together. I suggest the second option probably has more dollars at the end of it. But if they actually want a proper career, the first might make a lot more sense in uh, their voices. They said... A recruitment process is being conducted to establish cooperation with the most talented and promising players in the Polish CSGO scene. So I guess that really answers uh, our speculation because Snacks and Biali are probably no longer the most talented and promising players in the Polish CSGO scene, uh, nor for that matter is Pasha Biceps, although I still think him not being a pro or not even getting into a team uh, after Virtus Pro really disbanded when Taz was kicked just is the most bizarre occurrence in CSGO, the most marketable player and still playing at a high level has not had a proper team for how long now? Two years? Year and a half? Insane. Insane. The other news is that ESL have announced the teams they've signed to their pro league and they're basically the 24 teams that they announced were invited. So there's no real surprises there. Um people have been saying this is a disaster for Flashpoint I don't agree uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast if Flashpoint actually do something different with their content and with the way their players interact I'm going to watch it I don't care if ESL is just is just back to the same old best of threes the same old um, interviews the same old sort of desk talk that we've seen a million times I'm going to watch Flashpoint and I don't care if the teams aren't top 10. Contact apparently has a new team. They're in it. They were the ex-crazy boys, so there's only three of them now from the team that uh, were legends at the last major. I think it was the last one. Um, There's teams in there that are interesting enough that if the content around it is good enough, then I will be tuning into Flashpoint. That's basically all about the leagues this week. I'm not going to bang on it about too much you can support this podcast uh, via our patreon patreon.com slash the truth csgo you can tweet about it on twitter the truth csgo you can send us an email the truth at the truth csgo.com you can join the discord the link is on the twitter please upvote this uh, podcast episode on reddit that's really how i get my uh, um, audience and therefore sense of self-worth um, you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to this. Uh, the music is by Beaufort. Thanks to the patrons. And thanks to Zeus for writing such a readable book. I actually truly did enjoy it. I recommend it, actually, if you're a CSGO fan, of course, but also if you're wanting to get inspired. Uh, he's done what he said he, sh- you know, he wants people to do at the end of the book. He created something. And more power to him. I hope you all uh, get to create something this week. And until next time, enjoy the game. 